Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Inside Indy Sports Podcast. I'm Tyler James, and I'm joined once again by the one and only Eric Hansen. Together, we cover Notre Dame football, recruiting, and more for InsideNDSports.com on the Rivals Network. The Inside Indy Sports Podcast is presented by Dead Soxy, makers of the best premium socks I've ever owned. Step into the new year in style. If you haven't made the move already, you really need to experience the difference a quality sock makes. Go to DeadSoxy.com and enter code LUCKY at checkout to receive 25% off all orders, including sale items. As they continue to grow, Dead Soxy wants to extend a special thank you for the continued support of the Inside Indy Sports community. The folks at Dead Soxy are constantly striving to improve their quality, relationships, and customer experiences. I know they've spoiled me with a gift box of socks over the holidays, and hopefully you've spoiled yourself with some Dead Soxy socks as well. Remember to enter the promo code LUCKY at checkout for 25% off all orders, and Happy New Year from Dead Soxy. We have a special podcast for you today with the breaking news of Sam Hartman's commitment to Notre Dame. We recorded an interview with Connor O'Neill of Deacons Illustrated, who first reported the news that Sam Hartman will be coming to Notre Dame before Wake Forest played in the Gasparilla Bowl. We wanted to get this podcast to you before we get our full podcast out for the week, so we will be back on Friday with a podcast featuring Mike Golick Jr. and the questions that you all have submitted. But until then, enjoy this interview with Connor O'Neill. Sam Hartman is Irish, as Deacons Illustrated publisher Connor O'Neill reported prior to Wake Forest playing in the Gasparilla Bowl, quarterback Sam Hartman has made the decision to transfer to Notre Dame. Connor broke the news, which took a couple of weeks to officially come to fruition. So we wanted to speak to him about the incoming Notre Dame quarterback. Connor, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, appreciate you giving me a shout out and giving me credit on the on the board there with the with the story coming out. The uh, it seems like a lifetime ago for you know, it was a, <laughs> about two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if this would have went another way, you would have been <laughs> the whipping boy for for uh, not just Wake Forest fans, but some Notre Dame fans as well. So uh, I'm sure there's at least a little bit of a sense of relief to this. Um, how, how surprised were you when you first heard that Sam Hartman could potentially be transferring rather than jumping into the NFL draft? I guess not not all that surprising, only because in the past, in the in the previous three to four weeks, uh, we had a couple media sessions with Dave Clawson and he was asked specifically about Sam. And, you know, the first time it was uh, it was like, I still think Sam's number one goal is to pursue the NFL. But if he has a chance to make life changing money, then we can't fault him for that. And that felt like a complete departure of everything in the calendar year 2022. Like Sam came out after the gator bowl in 21 and was saying like one more ride run it back one of those types of things so i went to spring practice and and confirmed with him like hey you have two years of eligibility but this is going to be your last season and he said then uh yeah this was his last season he never specifically said i'm gonna go to the nfl but you just figure a guy with his pedigree of of what three no four-year starter at that point this was fifth year starting like he's he's going to pursue the the professional route. Um, but as the season went on, it was kind of, there was, there was a little bit of moving parts. Um, as, as I mentioned before we came on, like the, those guys get those draft grades and sometimes they're pretty uh, unapologetic. They're, they're pretty harsh. 
and they can give some some harsh truths. And, you know, I'm not going to say that Sam thought he was a first-round pick and it came back that he was an undraftable player, but I think it was a little worse than he thought. And I think that really opened up his eyes to, hey, I I can go star in a, in a different system, in a pro-style system, uh, as much as Wake people will hate to hear it. The slow mesh perception does not do it any favors when it comes to projecting to the NFL. And so I think that's where really like this, the snowball really picked up steam in the last, in the what, two or three weeks leading up to the bowl game. It, it's, you know, when I try to go backward through his career and stuff, there were some critical junctures. So you wonder if this would have ever worked out, if Kendall Hinton doesn't get suspended, if, Jamie Newman doesn't jump into the portal and go to Georgia and then not play. Um, you know how, I mean, maybe Sam would have transferred earlier, uh, but, but it does feel like there's some destiny here with his, his career. Oh, there's, there's a full book to be written about Sam's football life. And it's probably a two-parter where you have got to talk about the high school years and then the Wake Forest years. And then I guess we're throwing in the epilogue here is, is the Notre Dame year. Um, no, in high school, he was, I can't remember the name of the school. He was at one Charlotte area private school as oh, a yeah, freshman yeah. and didn't play until the state championship and came in in the state championship against Davidson day uh, and had a, had a good game. They, his team still lost. Davidson Day's coach was Will Greer's dad. Chad Greer uh, is pretty famous in the Carolinas as a quarterback guru. And so he basically said like, to, to the Hartman family, hey, your, your son is being misused. Uh, why don't you bring him to Davidson Day? Sam goes to Davidson Day in his sophomore year. He plays great. He's a starter. Um, the week of the private school state championship, his adopted brother uh, died in a um, self-inflicted uh, situation. He was a receiver on Elon's football team. I'm very familiar with it because I was working in Burlington where Elon is and I'm an Elon alum. And so, you know, anyway, uh, there, there's this, there's this legend out there. Uh, Chad Greer goes to the Hartman's home the night that they found out everything. And, <laughs> Uh, Sam's older brother was inconsolable, uh, did not want to talk about anything. Chad goes to Sam and he's like, Hey, you know, you don't have to play in the state championship game. Nobody expects you to play. Uh, and Sam just looked at him and said, I'm playing. Um, I can't remember what number Sam was wearing before that season, but he trots out in the state championship game and he's wearing number 10, which is the number that his adopted brother had worn previously. That's why Sam wears number 10. Uh, hopefully he gets number 10 at Notre Dame. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not familiar with the roster there, but, uh, so yeah, I, I mean, transferred get... out. <laughs> yeah. Drew Pine was number 10. So it, it is freshly open. <laughs> well, it, again, destiny. Um, right. you know, I, I, you, you probably don't want Sam's entire high school story, but there's, there's so much more there. I mean, from the medical situation that popped up before his junior year, that's the same that's related to the situation that cost him a month this year and cost him the season opener against VMI. Uh, then his school shut down like Davidson day, just 
they cut off the football program, cold turkey. Chad Greer went to uh, a school north of Charleston in South Carolina that was winless in their first year. And Sam transferred down there so he could keep playing for him for his senior year. Uh, went to live wow. with his mom, got featured on the Netflix documentary QB1. So, and then he comes to Wake Forest and it's like, all right, it's going to be normal. He's in this quarterback battle to be number two with Jamie Newman. Then in the in June, they announced a three-game suspension for Kendall Hinton. And quarterback battle for QB number two becomes the battle for QB number one. And that kind of greased the wheels on how fast and accelerated pace it was. I mean, you know, you, you go back and forth on this. It's a decision that Dave Flossen didn't have to make. It was made for him. But he was still neck and neck with Jamie Newman in that in that first fall camp. And then Jamie in the last scrimmage of fall camp pulled up with a pulled groin. So Sam was the starter by default for his first college game and goes out and throws for 380 yards at Tulane. Uh, Wake wins in overtime and he's he's shushing the crowd um, <laughs> as he as he trots off. I mean, it's there's there's a ton of storybook element here that you just you have to tell to to fully encapsulate who Sam is and and who's coming to Notre Dame. The the thing that sort of cements or to me like how long Sam Hartman has been playing college football is that his I think it was his fourth career start was against Notre Dame. And in that game, he played against Ian Book and Ian Book's second career start. Ian Book's been gone for two years now and won the most games of any quarterback in Notre Dame history. Like he played a lot, he played a lot in Notre Dame too. And Sam Hartman is still going to be playing college football. So I, it, and it's interesting because I think there there's some parallels there in just sort of the length and the longevity of the, their careers and that Ian Book played for Notre Dame for a while and Sam Hartman played for Wake Forest for even longer. I think Sam Hartman is a more prolific quarterback. Obviously, I mentioned that the wins for Ian Book, but at the end of Ian Book's career, I think Notre Dame fans were fine. Like, okay, we've had we we've seen what Ian Book can do. We want to see if someone else can make get, has a higher ceiling than Ian Book. Is there any of that with Sam Hartman, or is this, or is the reaction to this like, man, I can't believe we're not going to have Sam Hartman next year, and can we possibly do better than what he was at Wake Forest? Yeah, there's there's a ton of that. Um, I don't, not necessarily from those within Wake's building, mm-hmm. um, but from the fan base, absolutely. Uh, I think the Louisville game helps that. Uh, right. that, that disaster of a third quarter, uh, Wake had just entered the top 10. They're tied with USC in the top 10. Um, they're, I had written, uh, off of the Boston college game. They win this game against Boston college by 28 and they played really pretty poorly. And it's like, this team is just on a rocket ship. Clemson's undefeated. It looks like they're going to go to the CFP and Wake is going to get the orange bowl which is best case scenario. Like Wake is going to finish with 10 or 11 wins and they're going to go to the Orange Bowl and turnover, turnover, turnover. I think there was a three and out in there somewhere. <laughs> turnover, turnover, turnover. Two of them are pick sixes. And it was just that kind of started this this trend that I've seen where it's like, okay, we've we've lived through enough of these Sam Hartman games where one turnover becomes three or four in a row. Um, the Mayo Bowl against Wisconsin in 2020 felt like that. Uh, 
his freshman year, uh, he, he had turnover issues. It was more like one or two plays every game. Uh, he'd make some kind of play where he was clearly thought he was back in high school and he's a 170 pound, six foot, nothing kid, uh, trying to outrun like Brian Burns at Florida state or, um, I, can't, I cannot remember, uh, Jerry Tillery was the, was the oh, big yeah, time sure. name lineman that got after him that day. Um, just those kind of the, the and you know two games after he played Notre Dame he played Clemson and that defensive line that had three first round picks, so he's he's always had those spurts in his career whether it was freshman year one or two games, and then in the last three years it's really just been limited to these, you know, one flash of turnover uh, turnover problems like it was uh, the ACC championship against Pitt was four interceptions, I think three in the second half. Wisconsin was all four interceptions in the second half. Louisville was was six turnovers uh, all on him in one quarter. The The Carolina game wasn't a rash of turnovers, but it was an interception with, I want to say, two or three minutes on the clock that let Carolina go down and win the game with a field goal when Wake was up too deep in their territory. Uh, three interceptions at, at NC State. Uh, after the Louisville game. So it's just that kind of there's so much appreciation for what Sam has meant to Wake's program, but it's such a balancing act because it's also, all right, we got a little bit of a taste of Mitch Griffiths in the season opener. Mitch Griffiths looks more like John Wolford than, than Sam ever did. Uh, it's nothing against Sam. It's just, you know, body type and arm, arm strength, live arm, uh, that they're ready to see. They're ready to see somebody else at quarterback. Well, I'll tell you, I was a big John Wolford fan. I thought he was really good. Um, Hartman is interesting because I remember him from that Notre Dame game in 2018, and I thought this guy is going to die before he finishes his career. <laughs> he's getting yeah. hit so hard, and he's so little. And then you know, I I intermittently followed wake part partly because of the uh jamie newman drama but mm -hmm. you know they didn't end up playing in 2020 and then all of a sudden you, you know hartman is this more accomplished quarterback and i watched him two games this year the clemson game and the gasparilla bowl and i went wow i can't believe this is the same kid <laughs> um so he he certainly improved year by year do you feel like um he could push Notre Dame into the playoff, that he could nudge them, that he's good enough to be that kind of quarterback that could not only maybe get them there, and you don't know their whole roster, I'm sure, but um, but is he the kind of quarterback that could win a game on that stage, given assuming that he has the people around him? Yeah, it's it's got to come down to the people around him. Um Sam can elevate like Sam is is a natural leader um, and he's he's also I say that and and one of the main talking points from Dave Clawson in the last year or two has been how much Sam worked on his leadership skills after the 2020 uh, season ended when it you know COVID you're barely around your teammates so he really embraced the side of he's got to be a leader uh, and that's really shown over the last two years despite the end of season struggles this season. Um, but I, 
you know, I, I know a lot of Notre Dame fans probably tuned into the Gasparilla Bowl that maybe wouldn't have otherwise. Uh, I might not have been watching the Gator Bowl this year if not for wanting to see what Notre Dame looked like a bit. And, man, I couldn't help but feel like Sam has been throwing to better receivers his last three or four years at Wake than he's going to have next season. Um, I mean, A.T. Perry is, is an NFL receiver. Um, Wake has put Kendall Hinton uh, into the league after playing receiver for basically a season and a half. Um, Greg Dortch has stuck with the Arizona Cardinals finally. He's Sam has had some pro receivers to throw to. We can. It's a whole other story with Sage Surratt and where he would be if he didn't opt out. Um, but he he looked like he was on that track to be a pro also. Uh, yeah, it, it's. It's going to be interesting to see Sam around. He'll have a better people. offensive line and running backs, but I Absolutely. agree. Absolutely. And, and that's the, that's, you know, that football coaches make so much more money than we do, or at least that I do. <laughs> yeah. We could confirm more than us do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's why they get to, they get paid big bucks to be able to evaluate. Well, what does this guy look like if we put a better line and better running backs in front and behind him? But the guys that he's throwing to on the outside might not be as talented, might not come up with as many 50-50 balls. Um, you know, I I did see Caleb Smith this year uh, doing my dual duties with Wake and Duke. I was able to see uh, Virginia Tech when they came to Duke. Virginia Tech was terrible that day, but he made their only offensive highlight with a, with a nice catch. Uh, I can't remember if it was actually a touchdown or just got them to the one and they punched it in, but – he had about a 50-yard catch in the first couple of minutes that was really impressive. Uh, that will help Sam next year. Yeah, I think uh, wide receiver is certainly a developmental point for Notre Dame, and and th- this was definitely a transition year for, for Notre Dame there. And I think maybe some of the development didn't even happen because they could just rely on Michael Mayer so much, and obviously in the in the, in the Gator Bowl didn't have that option. Um, I, I'm curious, what, what would you point to – as Sam Hartman's biggest strengths, you mentioned his turnover issues. I would imagine that's probably the weaknesses you would look to. And, and, and how much of that is related to just how much Wake Forest sort of relied on him as the like focal point of the offense? Was he being asked to do too much at times? Yeah, I mean, the it's tough to say that he's asked to do too much because everything about Wake's offense is predicated on taking what you're given. So it, there's there's rarely a play that's called in Wake's offense that's just a straight drop back five steps, read one, two, three, and and make a throw. Um, there's rarely a – there a little more frequently, but still rarely a play where it's just take two steps to the right and hand the ball off. Uh, there's always an option element somewhere, somehow within that offense. I think where you could point to maybe he's asked to do too much is he puts too much pressure on himself. And I think that's where Notre Dame's coaches will really have to go to work on him with getting him to understand, Hey, we, we don't need uh, this chunk play right here when this is available to us. We don't need that play like that kind of stuff. I think there's still some learning to be done on Sam's part, even though he's accumulated so many snaps and so many reps and so many yards and yada, yada, yada. Um, strength wise, I mean, his, 
his arm uh, has – he came to Wake Forest with a strong arm. I always remember, uh, I think, before Sam had ever taken a snap in a game, uh, Alex Bachman was a fourth-year receiver who only played with Sam for one year. And he gave me a quote uh, after either a spring or fall camp practice when Sam was a freshman that was like, some of the throws he makes are NFL throws. And Alex uh, is another one. He was kind of a fringe NFL guy. He's, I think, led the NFL preseason catches for the last two years, which is a little weird nugget. But, I mean, it's not like this is a walk-on kid telling you right, something that right. he knows nothing about. Like, he, he can judge that stuff, and he's telling me, as a as a 19 year old in fall camp with Wake Forest before ever attempting a pass in a game, he's making NFL type throws. Like he's able to put the ball on a money on the money, drop drop it in a bucket on deep throws. Like that is that is going to be something that I I've got to think Notre Dame was missing with Drew Payne. Uh, I never knew how to pronounce his name, Pine or Payne. I don't Pine, know that it matters Pine. now. <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to be okay. covering our, Arizona our, State. Um... Our fans, when they write about him, spell it P-I-N-E. So. <laughs> or he's and, right. and I probably have in a story, too, just because I have <laughs> uncoordinated fingers. <laughs> um, so I'm watching the Gasparilla Bowl, and it's the first Gasparilla Bowl I've ever watched. <laughs> and I'm, I'm wondering about Sam's running ability. I, I know that he ran for a lot more in 2021, and I'm then I see him take off for a first down. I go, okay, I see you, Sam Hartman. Um, why did he not run as much this year? Were they trying to protect him? Was it because of the slow mesh offense structure? The beginning of the year, they were trying to protect him. Uh, the only confirmation we got of that was after the very first game against Vanderbilt. Um, Dave Clawson told us in the postgame presser that when they got up to a comfortable lead in the second half, he told his offensive coordinator, hey, take the ball out of his hands. Don't don't run anymore. Like, do not give him that option because he will take it and try to pick up yardage. Um, then, you know, this this is who Sam is. Uh, he hands the ball off to Quentin Cooley when they're up, I think, three scores already. And he goes and lowers his shoulder into a like 240 pound hybrid safety linebacker to spring him for a touchdown run. <laughs> uh, that was his last snap of the game uh, in, in related <laughs> news. So there, I, my, my hunch and watching every one of their games, both live and uh, in replay review, when I can slow everything down and, and hit the, hit the pause and play button on the DVR so many times, they were a lot more cautious with him this year after that Vanderbilt game. We never got confirmation of that. Uh, never really came up organically. Uh, you know, I'm probably telling all myself I should have been asking about it, but they're also, <laughs> you know, they're they're winning to to a certain extent. Uh, it didn't really matter, and the offense was prolific without him running. But yeah, I, I think at least until mid October, maybe maybe the whole season, really. Um, they were playing it safe with Sam. Sam, I think, was was told. I think the only way the only way to take the ball out of Sam's hands, he's such an ultra competitor, is to drill into him. Hey, we need you for the whole season. Um, we do not need you to get hurt. We do not need you trying to block hybrid safety linebackers. Uh, don't run the ball as much. Um, 
I think there was some of that that went on and that, you know, that's why it's so intriguing to me what it looks like in Notre Dame's offense, what, what Tommy Rees incorporates to Sam's strengths, uh, what Sam has to kind of adjust to in a new system. Um, For those who aren't aware, I I think we've talked about it in passing, but Sam Hartman had a blood clot issue in the preseason and that included uh, or the, the solution of that included removing a rib. Um, <laughs> so that was part of the reason that they were protecting him early on in the season. And he didn't miss a game because of that. Um, being, being the quarterback at Wake Forest and even one of the best or the best quarterback in Wake Forest history is still different than being the quarterback at Notre Dame. How do you think Sam Hartman will handle everything that sort of comes with that, not just on the field, but off the field as well? I mean, this is kind of where the first thing that comes to mind is the Terrell Owens gift for like, get your popcorn ready. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I have nothing personal against Sam. I just think uh, he, he did not always handle the media well and being the quarterback at Wake Forest. So I do not know how he will handle living in the fishbowl that is being Notre Dame's quarterback. Um, that's something that I, I would, I would have maybe somewhere between mild and serious concern about, uh, just because, you know, he took the Clemson loss really hard this year. Uh, that double overtime loss, there's, there's a lot more background I could give you on it, but basically Wake, Wake wanted that game to prove that last year winning the Atlantic was no fluke. And it's right there for him. I mean, you go back and watch the third quarter of that game. I think, I think Sam Hartman in the third quarter was pitching essentially what amounts to a perfect game. Like he's on the money. Every throw is exactly where it needs to be. Every throw is put in a spot where only his guy can make a play on the ball. And in the fourth quarter, he barely threw the ball and they took the ball out of his hands. Um, he was livid with that. Uh, he, he did not handle the post game. Well, like he abruptly ended it himself after one of my questions. Um, it, it was just not a good scene. He was in there when somebody else was answering questions and he cut off their answer to tell them something uh, at the podium. It was just, it was not a good scene. And so I wonder like what, what happens if, if Notre Dame loses a game to USC, how does that play out? Um, that kind of stuff. I I will admit I don't have a handle on how he'll handle that. Um, that was poorly worded, but <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's just something that I, it's hard to, it's hard for me to look into the crystal ball and see how that plays out uh, on a larger scale. Connor, uh, one of the mysteries for me is how did he have so few offers coming out of high school? If he was that prolific of a high school, was it just the size? Yep. I mean, okay. it was, so that goes back to the the medical issue he had um, between his sophomore and junior seasons of high school. Like that's typically a huge summer for quarterbacks. And he did, by all accounts, I wasn't covering recruiting that much there. All of this has been learned kind of in retrospect for me, but um, he dropped down that, that 
issue that he had going into his junior season. He was in the hospital for a good three or four weeks. His weight dropped to 120 or 130 pounds. Um, wow. I, I, it, it's something like that. Uh, that yeah, it, it, it was a um, bacterial infection uh, that resulted in the removal of a baseball-sized lump uh, in his right collarbone. And that's another one where his high school coach came to see him in the hospital and said, like, hey, man, you know, we got a big rivalry game week eight. Like, that's the one that you're going to come back for. We we want you to rest up. We want you to be good for that game. Don't worry about anything else. And Sam just told him, I'm going to be back for week one. And mm-hmm. you're, Chad Chad has told me, like, I was standing there in a the hospital room, and I'm like, yeah, okay. And then Sam comes back and throws for – the first – throw of that game I think was a 70 or 75 yard touchdown pass I think he threw for one of the top five games in Mecklenburg which is the Charlotte area county one of the top five yardages all time in that county's history uh there's been a lot of good quarterbacks that have come through there Chris Leak is on that list for the the former Florida quarterback who was the quarterback when uh when Tebow was coming we know the leaks from uh from the whole um CJ Leak decommitting to Notre Dame at the 11th hour. Ooh. Well, I didn't mean to bring up uh, uh, salty info there. Oh, that's okay. But, uh, it's not salty for me. It's amusing at this point. <laughs> but anyway, so all that, all that uh, more legend of Sam Hartman stuff, that plays into, I think there were some colleges that were probably scared off by this kid that had this serious medical issue that dropped him so many pounds and he looked like a stick figure playing his junior year of college football. Wow. Um, if, if I remember the timing correctly, he was also already committed to wake. And if I can, you know, kind of allude to some things that have been intimated, uh, I think Sam probably did have some 11th hour uh, courtships, but remained pretty loyal to wake uh those offers never became public because they're the types of offers that are you know hey if you decommit this offer stands uh he never decommitted also i'm not as up to speed on my sam hartman uh factoids as i usually am i know his dad went to wake forest um mark hartman went to wake forest his mom might have gone to wake forest also he might come from a double wake forest household um wake forest was always going to be kind of the leader in the clubhouse as far as his recruitment goes and so when he got the offer i think it was pretty pretty locked in and sealed that he was going to go there now with all that being said how bizarre is it going to be to see sam hartman starting against wake forest this coming season man the crazy thing is it I might I might have had this wrong because I think I only had them playing five ACC games this is a season with with Notre Dame having six ACC games. But when I looked at it, like every ACC game that Notre Dame is playing is on the road except for the Wake game. <laughs> so that's that's going to be a weird one where it's like, oh man, he he misses out on this return trip to to Truist Field, which uh, was BB and T Field when he was playing at it uh, right. to start his career. But uh, it, it's going to be weird uh, October 28th off the top of my head. Um, I kind of, just because the 2020 game was supposed to be, I kind of wish this game was going to be in Charlotte. Uh, there'd be able to be 
kind of a hometown feel to it and a, a hometown hero returns wearing the the different jersey that that's more juice to a story but it, it's probably a story that doesn't need much more juice um you know we can we can consult the record keepers on whether sam will get like 43 percent credit for the touchdown passes he throws as far as going toward his acc touchdown passes <laughs> uh so so does he end up with like 133.8 career ACC touchdown passes. <laughs> Boy, the name of the field at Wake Forest just seems like it should be named after a barbecue place. But um, if I had the, my druthers, it would be. Uh, I've I've lived down here for about 15 years, and I've rarely met a barbecue restaurant that I didn't like. But yeah, Winston, Winston is Winston and Charlotte are big bank towns. Okay. Well, the last one from me is I wanted to get your impressions of Tyler Buckner. And if you think Sam, if Tyler stays, if Sam would be the kind of guy that would take him under his wing and help him get better. I do. I'll answer the second one. For, I think that uh, will be one of the main benefits of Sam um, coming to Notre Dame. It, you know, short of, of winning a national championship, short of a CFP berth, that kind of thing. Like Sam has mentored the hell out of Wake's younger quarterbacks. Um, Mitch Griffiths is the is the incoming guy. Michael Kern was a year behind Sam. Uh, they both stayed at Wake Forest, and to me that that alone shows me that you know these guys probably could have transferred out after two or three years of waiting behind Sam, and um, it's been an enjoyable enough situation. It's not just Sam. It's, it's the culture of Wake Forest. Like this is where Dave Clawson gets some credit. Warren Ruggiero, the quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator gets credit. But, you know, by, by their account, uh, Sam has done everything right in leading the quarterback's room. And what's impressive to me about that is he was, he kind of became the elder statesman by default when Jamie Newman transferred out after the 2019 season. So he's held, he's, He's been the leader of that room for a long time. There hasn't even been uh, some some walk-on senior over top of him that's hung around. It's just been Sam. So mm -hmm. I think he'll help Tyler Buch Buchner uh, tremendously in, in that regard. Uh, granted, he sticks around. Um, and now I've talked myself into that. I forget the first part of your question, Eric. What, what your impression of Tyler was as a quarterback? Granted that he hasn't played in 10 games. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's so hard to judge a quarterback when they're not in rhythm. Uh, it's hard to get in rhythm when you just start practicing. I mean, what, for two weeks? Uh, yeah, they had 10 practices. Yeah, it, I liked his running ability. I thought, you know, I thought his running ability looked a little better than Sam in 2020 and 2021 versions of Sam. It looked a lot better than than what Sam ran for uh, this year. And we've already talked about the the limitations there, but the, the throws, I mean, I, I think Sam has a better arm. I don't think that would raise too much uh, concern or, or criticism unfairly. Um, but you, you can improve an arm. Uh, you can improve that with, with a year of competition, with a year of, kind of learning from a veteran and I would see that playing out pretty well for Notre Dame in the years to follow.
Well, all right, Connor, that's all we have for you. We really appreciate you taking time to talk to us. And obviously, as we've previously expressed, uh, appreciate you taking time to share your reporting with us a couple weeks ago before the, the Gasparilla Bowl, which really turned up the heat on the awareness of what could potentially happen here with with Sam Hartman and Notre Dame. So thanks a lot. And uh, anyone that wants to keep up with the future Wake Forest quarterbacks could do so at Deacons Illustrated. <laughs> thanks, guys. Appreciate it.